Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala. I know too much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but perhaps in this cultural moment, you'll have to turn to me to get some answers and some numbers (laughs) and some stats, sadly. Uh, With me, as always, is the voice of the people, the skeptic, the little devil on my shoulder, Kristen Sutter. Hey, Kristen. Hello. You know, it's just you're... You're doing the work, Joe. I'll say it in all senses of the word, huh? Well, well there. I mean, there is a. Uh, let's get into it. There's discourse. Rock discourse. Hall discourse. Can you believe it? I mean, no, not really. I, but <laughs> like any time that people kind of outside the Rock Hall circle are like DMing me or texting me, like, "Did you see this?" Like people I don't expect to ever see a Rock Hall thing. We've broken through. We've gone mainstream, baby. The people are listening. They want to know what in the damn hell is going on. Right. So I feel like that that calls for a special episode of of sorts. So let's kind of review what has been happening. There is a author, director, rock critic, uh, Jessica Hopper, who has uh, pointed out something, uh, a a topic that we talk about quite often on this show, the lack of women inducted mm-hmm. and uh you know she she put out a tweet said you know 8.48% of the inductees are women which is very low mm-hmm. that's and that's about the number she puts up i'm not entirely sure where she came up with the thing is like trying to calculate this stuff is a headache sometimes you get to a point where you're like okay am i looking at individual members of these groups am i just doing by act because she, she says uh 61 out of 719 and what numbers do you have what 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 are the numbers uh, according to so there's there's a few different ways to like calculate this there's like do you go act by act like do you say like the go-go's are one right do you say they're inductee, one or do you say they are five right and then do you say radiohead is one male inductee like mm-hmm. do you take it act by act based on how they're inducted or do you do it uh person by person individual and if you or do, it, do you not care right uh, exactly <laughs> but like how, how do you calculate this kind of thing so i mean we're getting a little bit in the weeds here where it's like there are around 60 acts that have women in them but if you're looking at those acts, it's not, there aren't 700. Well, and also, are we including non-performers in all of this? And I, and I am. 
and it, it, she she got to 60 which makes me think she's including all the side categories because that was that number was close to what i got when i included all the categories but i did it by act but the total number should be closer to like around 359 again sometimes you're like they inducted buddy holly then later they included the crickets but is now buddy holly and the crickets one act or are those two separate acts or like when oh you my gosh joe band? this is i don't care um i know no i'm one so cares. sorry no one cares we won't, we won't uh, dwell on maybe it. somebody does and i have stopped them from learning but you do that on your own time i don't anyway, care there, there's there's a few way there's a few ways to calculate it but anyway you cut it the the point stands and is important to note Obviously. Well, didn't she come to a, a similar percentage that Weirdly you came enough, to? Yes. That yes. is the part. So I'm like, I don't care about the, the percentage. Is, the percentage is, is is correct. She came um, to 8.4. I'm like, why are about we talking 8. about 5 this? Is correct. Yes. It's, yeah, we don't, we don't need to. Anyway, <laughs> however you cut it, whether it's based on act or based on individual members, the number of women in the Rock Hall of Fame is very small. And yes. some might say abysmal. Yes. And so this this caught on a little bit specifically. Courtney Love is now kind of holding the torch and has really been going at it, tweeting. And, you know, Future Rock Legends has gotten into the mix. And Future just- Rock Legends is in the mix. I love to see uh, that kind of quoted in many tweets. People are quoting our friend Evelyn McDonald. How is anyone getting these numbers? It's like Neil has done the work, Evelyn has done the work, mm-hmm. and that's where that's where we get this info. Mm-hmm. And you know, Neil is pushing like, hey, also take a look at who's on the nominating committee, who's on the board, which Courtney has shared, which mm-hmm. is, you know, I think an important part of all this is looking at who's at the top. Right. Yep. And like, well, what are the systemic problems here? And like, not a lot of women on the nominating committee and even fewer on the board. There are shadowy organizations, the board in particular, like we know a little bit about the nominating committee at this point, but the board is like, who knows what goes on there? All that made me think about how we have done an episode about this. And we've done, speaking of doing the work, painstakingly going through year by year of the Rock Hall and seeing how many women individually are getting inducted that year, and then seeing how we got to the place we're at now. And we did it with Ann Powers, who was like one of the the best people to do this kind of episode and one of the best people to do any episode. She's a, just a very knowledgeable, very smart, uh, and fun person to talk to, even though the uh, the subject matter is kind of dire. Yeah. So I, you know, I just felt like that's relevant again, why not re-air it and give some context to people who are interested about this subject? How did we get here? How does this break down year by year? And how is it changing? When did it peak? That kind of stuff. So I thought let's. Uh, yeah. Has let's- the number, has the percentage ever been higher? Has it ever been lower? Will it ever change? Right. And so let's listen to that episode. And then after you're done listening, we're going to come back in and we're going to kind of update it because this was from almost two years ago. So yeah, we'll have a little addendum and we'll we'll keep talking about this stuff. So uh, enjoy this episode from 2021, uh, our chat with Ann Powers about the history of women in the Rock Hall. So let's get into the topic for today. So the inductees were announced for the 2021 class. 
And one of the things that has people excited is we have a large number of female inductees this year, which, you know, we talk about on this show a lot, does not happen and is a problem with this institution. And so, you know, we have Tina Turner, we have Carol King, and we have the Go-Go's, you know, collectively, that's seven women, seven living women, especially getting inducted into the Rock Hall this year. And if you just look at the performer inductees, that's almost parody because then there is there are eight men getting inducted and that's as good as the Rock Hall has ever done. Then they were like, pss, pss, let's, what about uh, <laughs> let's open up the side categories? Again. So, yeah, I mean, it, there are some exciting side category inductees, but regrettably, it's 10 guys. So that dilutes the what could have been a very historic percentage But because we talk about the Hall's issue with women so much, I thought for context, it would be useful to go through the Hall's history with inducting women and take it year by year. And that felt to me like something that could really paint the picture beyond just saying, oh, yeah, well, it's always been a problem. Like really get down to to the nitty gritty. I'm ready. I mean, I know who's first. Are we going from the very beginning? Yeah, we'll go from the beginning and we'll go year by year. So we'll start with the first year, 1986. There were 10 performer inductees, three non-performer inductees, three early influence, 17 men, zero women. Zero women, I know that. So out of the gate, there, there was nobody. But then we get to the second year, 1987. We have 15 performer inductees, four non-performer, three early influence, 25 men, but one woman, and Kristen, you know, you know who that is. It is Aretha Franklin. Yes. Could have been inducted that first year. I think probably should have been, but she eventually got in second year when there were just, God, there were so many, so many dudes. You said 25? <laughs> yeah, 25 guys. Who inducted Aretha? Keith Richards. Ah, that's interesting. Was it coherent, I wonder? Was it a coherent induction? I would guess no. <laughs> uh, spotty at best would be my... would be my my (laughs) guess there but i you know i aretha as the first inductee i think makes sense i think she's a she's a very worthy candidate to be the the first one in i think so much of the early mid rock hall the way it was structured had to do with the particular labels that were involved the particular music industry executives who were involved and Mm -hmm. her connections to both arif martin and uh, jerry wexler made her the logical choice don't you think i mean it's all about cronyism oh yeah oh, I yes mean, you, see, you noticed that a lot of the artists who were inducted those first years were on atlantic and you look at how amit erdogan was running the show and i don't oh think- i said arif i meant amit oh sorry <laughs> you know i tried to be the cool inside rock critic and i'm like <laughs> yeah you know that guy who's in the who's in the Rolling Stones, Keith Jarrett. I don't know. What <laughs> <laughs> so our stats after the second year is we have 43 people inducted total, one woman, and that brings us to 2.3 percent uh, at the second year. That seems right. That's about how many women are important in music. <laughs> Two, that's that seems right. Two percent. But when we go to 1988. Now, this is, the, this is the third year. This is when we have fewer inductees. The first two years, they were just like really trying to get in as many as they could from those like kind of founding years because the third year, 
you know, we, you get to the Beatles and you get to kind of that era. So there were five performer inductees, one non-performer, three early influence, 21 men and three women. And those three women are the Supremes. The Supremes. Yeah. Diana Ross, Mary Wilson and Florence Ballard. Such an expected choice in a way when you uh, induct the Beatles, because the Beatles took so much of their early sound from 50s rockers who were already in there, but also from the girl groups, although I would say should have been the Ronettes, the actual true influence on the Beatles, or maybe the Shirelles, the original girl group, you know? Mm -hmm. Yet again, I have to say, Diana Ross's status within the music industry Insiders. Mm -hmm. at that time must have made a difference. Not that I don't love the Supremes. I really, really do. But I wonder if you think that's part of the reason why it was them. Yeah, and especially why the Ronettes were not considered. I think it's known that Phil Spector was involved with the Hall and yes. felt very strongly that they were not talented and that he did everything and they were not worthy for induction because they were his his props, according right. to him. Ugh. Also, you know, the Supremes just really sound like the best. <laughs> <laughs> The From names. <laughs> like, right. so I can see how you get I'm just trend. saying, if you were to present me with three <laughs> words, I'd be like, yeah, Supremes, probably the best. <laughs> I have a nerd question about the Supremes. Um, when they inducted them, did they induct Sydney Birdsong also? They did not. Ooh, scandal. Let's talk yeah. about that. I, well, you know, I, in the early years of the Rock Hall, they were much less uh, inclusive in terms of who they would include with band members. And I think they tended to be drawn towards like founding members, the original crew. In recent years, we've seen- you Nowadays, know, you can add anybody you want. Your touring drummer can get in. <laughs> Pearl Jam's masseuse, masseur rather, they have a masseur. I got to go to him once, he's amazing. <laughs> the, the Pearl Jam Put masseur? Yeah, Put he's so in. good. Put him oh in. my God. Uh, but you see like, it's almost like a bargaining chip now for some bands and artists hmm. because they can say they won't come to the ceremony and mm. they can say they won't play. Like, I believe that's what Robert Smith did of The Cure. He said, if you don't include our current guitar player, Reeves Gabrels, Gabrels, who's been with them since 2012, I think, and has not played on a record. Wow. And that's very unusual for the hall. Usually you need to be on at least one record. Wow. Uh, but he, he, used that to and then they they capitulated and then he was inducted with them wow so interesting kind of thread thread running through this it's again like insiders you know people who've been around industry people although that didn't work for now rogers for a lot of years being the ultimate insider but that's mm -hmm. another subject sure. for another podcast sure, sure, another sure. oh yes uh and so we had three inductees in 1988 out of 24 of that year it was it was 12.5 percent, and then total now we have four women out of 67 which brings us up to 5.9% uh, mm. women inducted in the hall. Will it get better or worse? I think you guys know the answer. I Let's, do. Yes. <laughs> Let's go to 1989, where we had five performer inductees, one non-performer, three early influence. We had 27 men inducted, which I think so far is the most we've had. And then we've had one woman. And it's a woman in the early influence category, and it's the Empress of the Blues, Bessie Smith. And now, do you think that Bessie was the forebear who was chosen because of Columbia Records connections? Probably not. It was just, I mean, maybe it's just undeniable. She is a titan. She is a legend. Also, 
of all of the sort of blues queens of the 20s, she had the most posthumous fame via, there were these two amazing compilations that set up her posthumous fame, which happened so often with these early blues artists who became the foundation of rock and roll. It was all about selling records, making recording stars, making album stars of artists who had not even existed or been around in the in the album era. So that mm-hmm. would be my theory on Bessie. I think Bessie obviously is iconic, completely legendary. At NPR, we did a series on the eight women who invented popular music. She was one of them. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, I bet it was those albums that made her get in before others, like Ma Rainey, for example. It, 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 it makes sense if you're more in people's, in the front of their minds, that can happen. But yeah, I, I think she's a... She maybe should have gotten in sooner, but, uh, you know, still in the first few years of the hall makes sense. And I do think what you said, her being undeniable, we can find the cronyism all over the hall, but sometimes there are artists who get in. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it's actually just, they deserve (laughs) it. it. (laughs) Right. Yes. I think all these artists deserve it. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. I'm that welcoming person. I welcome them all. Oh, I, the hall isn't real. There's room for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) So 1989, it was one woman out of 28 inductees, which is 3.5%. And that brings us down to a total of five out of 95, which is (laughs) 5.3%. God. I'm going to do this every year. I uh, hate it. It's and, really depressing me. I know. And I, I and we're, ba- we're barely into so it. So much. Because also we haven't even gotten to the years when there will again just be no women. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like. I know. <sighs> yeah, strap I'm in. <laughs> I'm ready. All right. 1990, we have eight performer inductees, five non-performer, three early influence. We have 30 men and we have three women and those women are we have a member of the platters zola taylor and that's uh i I think our first induction where we have a a female member of a mixed gender group she's the only female member of the platters i am so happy that zola taylor got in early i've done some study and work on the doo-wop era i think it's really forgotten and so important such an important bridge from kind of early 50s rock and roll into what rock becomes in the 60s it was not a world where a lot of women found a place i have to say in my research i found there were like literally over 10,000 do-up groups in the late 50s. And I think there were a hand, like maybe five women (laughs) in them. Now you could say there's like, you know, we get the girl groups and that's almost like an update on what do-up was in some ways. But Zola Taylor's presence was so important. And another thing, she was part of a scene in California of high schoolers who were laying the foundations for what happened with Gold Star Studios with rock and roll scene on Central Ave, jazz to rock and roll on Central Avenue in LA. She was a really important part of that scene. So go Zola. If, I bet a lot of listeners haven't ever thought about that name, but check her out. Check out her history. She's a really cool story. And then one of the other inductions and one that, uh, from 1990 that we have talked about recently is this was the first induction of Carol King mm-hmm. as a songwriter. As a songwriter. In the non-performer category with uh, Jerry Goffin. Now, do you think that partly happened because she was on the team with her husband slash 
ex-husband as he became because I know Ellie Greenwich was inducted and there's another songwriter from the Brill Building. Cynthia Weil. Yeah, Cynthia uh, Weil. All parts of teams with uh, men. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I I do think, though, that those groups obviously have the catalog to back it up. And I don't know that there are any comparable of that era Women's solo songwriters. female yeah. songwriters without. No. I mean, it was probably a product of the way the industry worked at that time. Yeah, there were hardly any solo songwriters at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people mm-hmm. collaborated, but, you know, same things happening in R&B. That continues mm-hmm. into the 60s mm-hmm. with, you know, teams like Holland, Dozier Holland and so many. And, you know, of course, Lieber and Stoller. So uh, in the 50s. So, yeah, I'm glad that Carol got in there. But, you know, it is interesting to have put her in just in the squarely non-performer, like someone yeah. who at this time, I don't know, just to say non-performer about Carol King just seems disingenuous. Um, well, do you think, though, that maybe they're trying, they're really into laying the foundation? I mean, they're truly thinking like, as you kind of alluded to before, Chris, like, it's a building and they're building the foundation here. We have to get these 50s, 60s people in before we get all the way to the turn mm-hmm. of the 70s when she mm-hmm. becomes what she becomes then. That would be my, I, I don't know why I'm defending these misogynist <laughs> assholes. But. Well, I mean, the, the, the induction of, of Goffin and King in 1990 is a good one. Uh, yeah, but mm-hmm, the issue absolutely. was, I don't know that people were anticipating that it would then become the excuse for not inducting Carol King yes. as a performer. Right. You right, know, it should right. have been the prelude. You know, yes, it, it, we should absolutely. have then obviously inducted Carol King. And actually she was eligible at this point because she had put out singles as a solo performer, like I think in like 1959, as early yep. as that. So she actually was on the ballot as a performer the year before. And I mm. think the, oh. they decided, the hall must have thought, okay, well, what if we put them in the non-performer category first because that's really where her career began right but then this weird stubborn you know sexist uh, streak kept her out of uh, the other category that she rightfully belonged in i also want to call it rockist because i think mm. mm-hmm. when you get to the person we're gonna do foreshadowing when you get to the first <laughs> white woman rock star inducted it is someone who really defines rock you know we'll we'll talk about that in a minute yeah but- <laughs> you know, I also think too that with the non-performer category, there is no vote. They just could right. put them right in, you yeah. know. And there's, so there's subcommittees within the hall, but it's yeah, it's it's done within yeah. the institution. A generous way to look at it, and I am yeah. not often generous <laughs> to them. And I, you know, I mean, I, I might not even mean this, but a generous reading of this could be that they were kind of getting that excuse out of the way, and instead they put that excuse in the way. Yeah, that I'm curious, like what men were. I don't, you don't have to go through the whole list, but who were the emblematic men inducted the year Carol was inducted as a? We've got with the Terry. Who, the Kinks, Simon and Garfunkel. Four Seasons and Four Tops. Four Seasons and Four Tops. Did they duet? All I need eight. to know. <laughs> we had eight seasons and tops. <laughs> and then the other female inductee was in the early influence category, and it was the mother of the blues, Ma Rainey. Yes, which who was a major influence on Bessie Smith. There are great stories of her, of Bessie being mentored by Ma Rainey and trying to figure out like how to kind of live up to her legacy. They were almost peers, you know? I, mm-hmm. I mean, it was almost like 
Ma was her her auntie or something, you know. But Ma Rainey, the gold neck woman, as she was called, she started as a vaudeville performer and uh, traveling tent shows. And then in the, when the blues uh, were the main vehicle of early recordings in the U.S., she was the biggest star pre-Bessie. And obviously she's she's having a moment again with That's right. uh, the movie Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Absolutely. Which is exciting that there's a, a high-profile movie about her. So we had, in 1990, we had three women inducted uh, out of 33 uh, inductees total, which is 9%. Uh, that brings us to eight women out of 128, which is 6.25%. <laughs> and uh, as we go to the next year, uh, this is similar, and and you'll see the connective tissue here. In 1991, we had seven performer inductees, three non-performer, one early influence, 19 men, two women. And uh, that connective tissue is, you know, we had Carol King's first induction in 1990. 1991 is when we get Tina Turner's first induction mm-hmm. with Ike. Ike and as Tina. As part of Ike and Tina Turner. We could do a whole episode on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Which, you know, the decision to induct them as Ike and Tina makes sense because those early records are credited as Ike and Tina and they yes. are both an important part of those songs and, and those records. Uh, you know, you know, obviously there's beyond the music, many, many issues and problems that have been well-documented, but. Yes. Well, I, you know, the fact that Tina recorded River Deep Mountain High in what, 1964, 65, mm-hmm. I mean, wouldn't have that have made her eligible as a solo artist too? It would have been an insane mm-hmm. feminist rebellion to put her in without Ike, but yeah, she was she cool. was recording as Tina before that Ike and Tina was even over, so right, she technically right. became eligible around this time. Well, I know that there was always, I mean, you know, there's always been so much debate, and there was so much debate at that time about what to do about Ike Turner. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. the story of Tina's abuse by Ike and her escape from his, that life became ubiquitous, became mm-hmm. the story of Ike and Tina. Mm-hmm. And yet there were always these stalwarts. And I will say at that time, certainly, you know, pretty much only men, as far as I can remember, who, who would say, but Ike, you know, Rocket mm-hmm. 88, maybe the first rock and roll record, you know, he was the architect of that sound. He was, he discovered Tina, he made Tina, all this stuff. None of those arguments work today, I think, you know, but I can tell you they were extremely common at that time. It's similarly to Carol, but, you know, it, different in its own ways. There was this stubbornness yeah. within the hall, it seems, of they're yeah. already in. We do not need to acknowledge them any further, even though there's a long history of people being inducted more than once. And did you all watch the Tina documentary? I bet you did. I did. Thoughts? I have seen you- it. Thoughts? Thoughts on uh, Tina as a rock star in the 80s? I think, I mean, I think that the documentary really lays out the case for how freaking rocking she was, you know, Absolutely. and how she she really went out to be a rock star. She said, yes. I they are trying to book me in these cabarets or in like disco clubs. And, you know, I want to be a rock star. I want to be selling out stadiums. I want to be the Rolling Stones. And she 
fucking did it. And it's like incredible. And that she did it on her own terms. And, you know, the thing that really I, that stuck with me so much from the documentary in particular, though, is how much the abuse still harms her. That like the trauma is still with her and that for her to be forever linked to her abuser is so it's just disrespectful to her as a person and to the fact that she was public about it and said, okay, here's what happened. And now I actually really don't want to get into it anymore. Thank you very much. And that like seeing, you know, still to this day, it's still painful for her and still traumatic. I'm just like, this, this sucks and I hate it. And it's one of the biggest reasons that I'm so, I was so shocked and I'm still so excited about her being, when she was on the ballot this year, we were like, oh, thank God. She's going straight in. (laughs) Who saw this coming? I've been talking about it since we started the show, how disrespectful it is that she's not in solo. And then the documentary just kind of like sealed the deal. And then then she got freaking nominated solo and now she's in and I'm so happy about it. And I'm glad that she's alive for this to happen, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if I had a critique of the documentary, it would be that it was framed around the story of her abuse yet again. But I mean- that seems to me... And it was about how people keep bringing up her abuse. <laughs> I know, it was, well, that, was the, yeah. that was the trick of it, right? The trick yeah. of it was like, oh, we're, you know, we're going to dwell on the fact that she's shackled to the story while we shackle her to the story. And um, that was kind of a bummer. I, but I definitely think it probably sadly brought the documentary a lot of mainstream viewers who aren't music nerds and might not have wanted just, uh, you know story of her as a musician. I, I, I'm going to recommend a book, uh, Black Diamond Queens by Maureen Mann, um, new book about black mm-hmm. women in rock, such a great book. And it has a chapter about Tina as a rock star in the 80s that really gets to it. So if you like the doc, but you want to know more about it, read that book. It's a great. Yeah. Book. And you can listen to Maureen on our show talking about <laughs> Tina Turner for the yes. we do. We do episodes for every one on the ballot. And we, we were like, of course, we're gonna have Maureen on to right talk on. about Tina. And yeah, she, she was great. And that book she is great. great. And she's going to come up. Maureen's going to come up again right now. Because right. Of the yeah. next name you're going to mention. So the second woman inducted in 1991 one one of the if not the most important woman of that early rock and roll era is Laverne Baker mm-hmm. and Marie Mann has a great chapter about Laverne Baker as a key figure in 50s rock in Black Diamond Queens and I said this to her when I interviewed her once and I will say it to you that both turned my head, changed my way of thinking, and made me ashamed because I was one of those people who thought about 50s rock as a boys club, you know, as Mm -hmm. a sausage party, as like, you know, a great moment, but where are the women? And yeah, Wanda Jackson, but she's not as big as some others, or, you know, Janice Martin or whoever, like small artists, but I didn't think about Laverne Baker as a rocker. I thought about her as an R&B artist, you know, Mm -hmm. and Maureen makes the case for her so beautifully that she was right there on those rock and roll tours, marketed as a rock musician. She should have been in the first class of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I I agree with you that that chapter, and I revisited it last night. It it really, it converted me. (laughs) Me too. Because yeah, Laverne Baker, like not only was part of these, because, you know, in the early rock era, there were these like often traveling reviews and Mm -hmm. often Laverne was the headliner. Like that's how big she was. That's how important 
she was with, you know, these other guys who at this point were probably already infected. And it's an interesting story about how institutionalization happens, because the reason she's forgotten, Maureen argues, is because she moved to the Philippines and she Mm -hmm. wasn't around to kind of join the oldie circuit the way that every other Mm -hmm. artist Mm -hmm. of that era did. And that's, you know, along with sexism and racism that, you know, that is why she, she is forgotten. But she got in. Yes. Right on. I'm glad she did get in fairly early in our list. Mm-hmm. So I'm just such an interesting, you know, you bring up the the phrase like oldies and the oldies circuit. I'm just like, I imagine that rock and roll was this crazy thing that people, parents were like, not in my house. You know, it was like a very big cultural revolution. Yeah. And then, you know, when we were kids, it was like, and these are oldies. Like yeah. this mm-hmm. is an it's a station called yeah. Oldies. Sit like, back, relax. Oldies 104.3 yeah. was like the station in my in Chicago growing up. That it goes from being the most you know subversive, just crazy revolutionary music to being called oldies is just such a funny turn to happen. It's all about happy days and American graffiti. That's when the fifties got turned into the oldies era, you know, yeah. and, and, and that's what I grew up with, you know, the Fonz and all that Henry Winkler. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably right. how I discovered fifties rock and roll actually was mm-hmm. through, was through the Fonz in particular. I say induct the Fonz. Induct uh, <laughs> that's right. how we'll know that the, that the hall has actually jumped the shark. <laughs> right. Hey, very good. Thank you. Why don't we, uh, why don't we take a quick break and then when we come back, we will finish up the history of the women in the rock and roll hall of fame. We'll be right back. Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We hope you had a nice break. We hope over your break, you 
thought about something that seemed like a pretty big deal at the time, but now it's kind of funny if you look back at it. <laughs> you could laugh about it. All right. So we left off at 1991. There were two women that year out of 21 inductees, which brought us to 10 women out of 149 and 6.7%. As we go into 1992, where we have seven performer inductees, three non-performer, two early influence, 30 men, and zero women. They just couldn't find any. They're just to be to be clear. That Where'd was a <laughs> that was a year when there actually were no women just doing anything the in blip, society. Yeah. That was the blip. We all know that year. <laughs> it was the 1992. Is that the year we're talking about? That yeah. was the that was one of the prime years. What I always call the decade of the year of women in rock. Though the 90s were the decade of the year in of women in rock. Every year of the 90s, I believe, I was asked to write an article about how wow look, there are women in music. Oh my goodness, this new novelty, exciting moment. So the decade of the year of women in rock. What a great <laughs> phrase. You know, men in the music industry, they can be like little school children and you just have to gently lead them into the new era. That's just how you have to do it. Uh, Joe, tell me, were there any women on the ballot that year? Etta James was on the ballot. Uh, and She was the only woman on the ballot. <laughs> And, and how freaking outrageous she didn't get in right away. I mean, right. come oh on. Uh, and, and at that point, it was her first time on the ballot too. And then it's we insane. had Mo Tucker from the Velvet Underground, which is, you know, several men and, and one woman, but that is a woman who was on the ballot. So zero women out of 30 inductees that year. That takes us to still 10, but now out of 179, which brings Jesus our poll down to 5.6%. Uh, let's go to 1993, where we have eight inductees, we have two non-performers, one early influence, 24 men, and five women. Whoa. Big year. That's our peak so far. Huh. Okay. Uh, and this is, we do get Etta James on 93 on her second ballot. I need some analysis. Like, what happened? Do you think it was because there was such uh, attention being paid in the media and at the mu in the music industry at that time to this kind of, like, resurgence wave of women can you have a resurgent wave whatever there were yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of attention to women in both rock and r&b at that time do you think that's why this happened 92 was the last year before they were filming it like for uh -huh. like a production filming it so 92 was still that was probably the last really messy True boys club. it was essentially a private ceremony you know mm -hmm. there, there is footage from it but it was not because we talked to joel gallon who was brought on in 93 there wasn't a television broadcast, but they did shoot it like a television broadcast. And it was uh -huh. more produced like it was going to be on television. Interesting. So women are visually compelling, et cetera. <laughs> yeah, I don't I mean, I, I don't think the hall, especially at this time, was ever responding to any waves. Uh, or mm. any trends. I don't get the sense that the, they were really going to be influenced by that kind of thing. That's well, my when guess. you look at the list, let's talk about the specifics because I mean, there were some undeniable. Right. Artists. So Ed, Edda James. I wish this was a, a video chat because I have a painting of Edda James on my wall. She is one of my guiding spirits. Absolutely. But alongside Edda, another absolute, absolutely foundational. Some say she built the house of rock and roll. And who would that be? Would that be Ruth motherfucking Brown? The queen yeah. of R&B herself, Ruth yes. Brown, also inducted in 1993. Yes. And yes. gives a great performance. 
Uh, also in 1993, we had Sly and the Family Stone, and two members of Sly and the Family Stone are female. We have Sly's sister Rose, who you know did vocals and, and played piano, and then you also have Cynthia Robinson, who played yes. the trumpet, but was also kind of like the hype woman for yes. Sly and the Family Stone. She's the one who's screaming at the top of dance to the music. Her voice is very present with like kind of her ad libs and, and things like that. Yeah, no, I mean this is that's an exciting induction, you know, simply because women instrumentalists you know mm -hmm. i mean still incredibly rare yes uh to non-existent in terms of inductions and you mm -hmm. think about how many great male players session players and this is what we will get to you know if we get to the discussion of those side categories and all yeah. that uh -huh. um carol Kay still not in the rock and roll hall this fame. is we talk about it often it's, yeah. it is, <laughs> it's a travesty yeah. it is un it's unfathomable <laughs> and then we had an early influence uh inductee dinah washington dinah washington also one of those artists who exists on the bridge between jazz r&b and rock and roll and i think uh she can be talked about in any of those categories. So really one of the great somewhat forgotten vocalists, I think now as we see endless resurrections of the stories of Billie Holiday, for example, or Bessie Smith, mm -hmm. I want that Dinah movie. I want that to happen. She was an incredible artist and still remains unsung in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I mean that she's someone whose name I am aware of and I have heard of and stuff, but I, I think she's not nearly as ubiquitous as uh, some of her contemporaries. Let's get someone get on it. Movie producer Get on it. Ava DuVernay, I know you are a regular yeah. listener to this podcast. Perhaps She's a, a new project head. She can't quit. <laughs> so we had five women inducted that year out of 29, which is a whopping 17.2% that year, which brings the uh, total to 15 women out of 208, which is 7.2%. 7, 7 Let's go to 1994, where we have eight performer inductees, one non-performer, one early influence, 28 men and one woman. And that would be Donna Godshow of The Grateful Dead. Perhaps the most oh. unexpected name on this list, do you think? Would you all say? Would you all say? Yeah, because, you know, of the, the members of The Grateful Dead that you think of, she's maybe not even in the top 10 like right i was like had no idea there was ever a woman in the grateful dead well mm -hmm. the, the grateful dead are so interesting as a band because i actually wrote about this in my book good booty that their edges are constantly permeable both in terms of how they exist as a collective people do come in and out over their long history Though there is, of course, the core, you know, and all mm -hmm. and a center, Jerry Garcia, but also how they existed with their audience. So they were sort of the ultimate commune as a band mm -hmm. in some sense, you know. But it's great that Donna got in. It's great that a countercultural hippie woman got in, you know. I love yeah. that about this, that moment. Yeah. And also, uh, did they induct all of the um, parking lot grilled cheese sellers were they all they, needed a miracle. they did not get it they did okay. not get their miracle and get okay. connected so sorry unfortunate uh yeah there was there was a lot of talk about do we put devil sticks in grateful dead uh would that be should we hand them the statue with the devil sticks so that was that was one out of 29 which was 3.4 percent for the year which brings us down to 6.7 percent 16 women out of 237 at that point Let's go to 1995, where we have seven performer inductees, one non-performer, one early influence, 19 men, six women. Yes. Whoa, what happened? Woo. Okay. So, 
You what can, kind of girl group got in? What's head? Yeah, it's exactly it. So in 1995, we see the induction of Martha and the Vandellas, right. which does, they included a few different lineups. So there's five women who were inducted. So right. that is the bulk of the women in 1995. And that includes Martha Reeves, Rosalind Ashford Holmes, Betty Kelly, Lois Reeves, and Annette Sterling Helton. Which is great, Martha. It's an, and again, an interesting choice though, in terms of the kind of order in which the girl groups got inducted because mm-hmm. Martha and Vandellas hold a special place in history, partly because their songs are anthemic and mm-hmm. they soundtrack a lot of movies. They soundtrack also a lot of historical moments. So. Dancing in the Streets, of course, mm-hmm. became a kind of informal anthem of the revolutions of the 60s. And mm-hmm. you know, Heat Wave, of course, is just in every faux 50s, 60s dance scene. I, I mean, there wouldn't be a hairspray. That musical couldn't exist without the influence of Martha and the Vandellas. Mm-hmm. So the sound, I think, got them in. Those anthems got them in. But I wouldn't put them in the top two most important girl groups, personally. That's not a diss. I'm just saying mm-hmm. I wouldn't put him in that top two or three. They're just so well-known. You and know, are, the yeah, thing about them was said. their notoriety, I think. Yeah, for sure. And then the the sixth woman inducted that year, uh, hinted at before, but we yes. get first-year eligible inductee Janis Joplin. Janis Joplin. Joplin. I was so- thinking that when I was like, who could be this person who is this female embodiment of rock star in like kind of the male 60s rock critic mind yep. and uh, so it's Janice. Yeah, she absolutely, and, and not only in their minds, in the experience of some of the rock writers who were participating in the uh, process of induction, I think. I mean, Janice was someone that was so central to this, the telling of the story of rock and roll through Rolling Stone magazine, through the countercultural press, through her appearances on Dick Cavett. She was a very known person to a lot of the people on the committee, I assume, which, and you know, her story is, I wonder too, I'm going to venture to ask, do you think that partly the tragic aspect of her story meant that there might've been a sense of, we got to get her in there, you know, because she, we lost her in life. Mm -hmm. We need to celebrate her in immortality. Mm -hmm. I think so. I think the legacy was really encased in Amber. Uh, Also there's the kind of myth of the 27 club. Yep. I think the music obviously holds up, but I yes. do think the fact that like her, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, like mm-hmm. they are all talked about within the same breath because yeah. of the uh, significance, but also because of when and how they died. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I um, participated in a little mini conference that uh, Laura Nanke put on at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame about Janis Joplin. And uh, I can't remember the year, but at any rate, maybe it was that year. Anyway, I gave a talk about how Janis was the biggest influence on heavy metal vocalists. Robert Plant has often mm-hmm. said this, um, that his style was just basically copying Janice, you know, and and yeah, totally. And I mean, I I think uh, especially then, but even even today, it can be hard for people to acknowledge influences that are across gender, you know, Mm -hmm. that a woman could influence male vocalists seems, you know, crazy. But in fact, I think she really there wouldn't be heavy metal singing if not for Janice, in my opinion, those Mm -hmm. high notes. That's mm-hmm. heavy metal. Absolutely. And shout out to Lauren Anki, who we love and has been on yes. the show. And <laughs> I would say might be listening. So hello, Lauren. <laughs> Hi, Lauren. 
Karen. So that was six women uh, out of 25, which was 24% that year, almost uh, a quarter, which is wow. uh, incredible for the hall. Brings us up wow. to 22 out of 262 inductees, uh, 8.4%. Will it go up or down in the next year? Let's find out. 1996, we have seven performer inductees, one non-performer, one early influence. We have 20 men and we have seven women. Whoa, okay. So we're, we we went up one. It's also peaking. so funny that I'm like excited about the number seven. Like, get out of <laughs> yeah, here. Seven out of 27. Get out of here. Come uh, on. <laughs> it kind of parallels what happened with women in music writing in the 90s. There, you, there was one, then there was two, then there was five, then there was seven. Now there's <laughs> equal amounts. It's awesome. Well, it's interesting though, too, because we also, it's like you see it with any kind of parody or whatever. It's like tokenism feels like representation. And yes. so it's like, well oh, said. look, there is a woman starring in this film. Yeah. Yes, she's starring with six male co-stars, yeah. but like <laughs> you see her, she's number one on the call sheet. So doesn't yeah. that count for something? And the answer is it doesn't. Right. Like, <laughs> well said. Well, why don't we talk about Gladys Knight, who was inducted yes. with the pit? who are all male so you know she's obviously she's the marquee name but we when we talk about the fact that everybody gets a vote Mm -hmm. you know you are giving one woman a rock hall vote and then the rest right rest a bunch of men with right i never want to discount background singers but i hear you on that gladys is one of those vocalists so i would say if you were to talk to a bunch of uh, African-American music fans, music scholars, music journalists, she would be so far elevated. So, you know, so much more elevated in the conversation than when the it, it's a bunch of w- white folks talking, you know, mm-hmm. she is a signal performer in African-American music, um, sometimes not as well seen or heard, uh, you know, in the circles that would have been inducting people at that time so it's great that she got inducted at this point yeah and i don't mean to dismiss the pips either obviously no. they were on the record <laughs> yeah. they were part of the group and they should be inducted as well uh and then we've got another pivotal rock and roll woman grace slick in jefferson airplane yes mm-hmm. yes grace slick was like the cover woman for rolling stone magazine in those early years along with someone else we'll get to shortly who had long blonde hair as opposed uh-huh. to grace's long <laughs> black hair but yeah it's i found that i was looking at some old rolling stones recently and there was this interview with grace and paul Kantner that i swear was like 10 pages long it was half the magazine she wow. was a huge star in the rolling stone universe in those early years and we know how influential rolling stone mm-hmm. magazine and yon winner are over these inductions so yes that makes sense to me others might say we built this city uh kind of like <laughs> negates everything that came before but i don't think that's fair i mm-hmm. love jefferson airplane and they were very important yeah mm-hmm. And, you know, it's very convenient that the name was changed by the time they were yeah. building the city and nothing <laughs> yes. was stopping them now. Uh, so you can done. you can make a you can draw a line in the sand for that. <laughs> Aforementioned Mo Tucker, the drummer of Velvet Underground. Always cool to recognize female instrumentalists like we talked about uh, with Sly and the Family Stone. And of course, we're getting into the we're in the thick of the indie rock era and Can you really think of a more influential band on indie rock than the Velvet Underground? It feels like kind of where it started. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And then we've got the Shirelles, finally. Yes! Yes! (laughs) Uh, That's Shirley Alston Reeves, Addie Mickey Harris, Doris Kenner Jackson, and Beverly Lee. So we get four women with the Shirelles who for some reason were dismissed. And this is something that 
again, Maureen Mann talks about in her book, you know, the Shirelles were so important and potentially the start of like the girl group sensation. Yes. And, and why were they not inducted alongside Carol King as an, as a, mm-hmm. as a collaborator with uh, Jerry Goffin, because Will You Let Me Tomorrow exists because not only a, it's a great song by its songwriters, but it is written in the vocal like the vocals on that song make the song what it is. And I always think this about all rock and roll, but particularly you need that teenage girl voice. You need that perspective. And um, that's what Maureen writes about. There's also a great book by Jacqueline Warwick about girl groups that talks about this without those girls, but they were just ignored because they were teenagers, you know, they were supposedly interchangeable, such a lie. Uh, So yeah, we had seven women in 1996, a peak. Uh, out of 27, which we actually got above a quarter. We had a 26%, and that brings us to 29 out of 289. We made it to 10% women in the hall uh, total in 1996. Uh, where will it go? Okay. Let's go to 1997. We have seven performer inductees, one non-performer, two early influence, 38 men and two women. Uh, but what two women? What a pair! Come I on, I know. We, we've yeah, got... because but that's what the thing is. It's like the exceptionalism. It's like yeah. I really hate it. It is what will trick us all into thinking that things are changing. Is You're that totally right? These two exceptional women are being honored, and wow, doesn't that really mean something? Meanwhile, it's like, uh, I okay. Yeah. I've said it. You know what I. You know what I yeah. mean. You know what I. Yes, mean. I totally agree with you. And at the same time, what these well, one of these two women treasures and holds her exceptionalism so dear to her own heart. And who am I talking about, Joe? Are we talking about Joni Mitchell? <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So Joni I'm, Mitchell was was inducted in in 1997. I mean, Joni, what to say? Joni did basically invent the role of the singer songwriter. Mm-hmm. She is the in my opinion the greatest singer songwriter in history you could just call her the greatest songwriter of the 20th century it would be possibly fair sorry bob dylan yeah whoa on on his 80th birthday (laughs) damn Damn. (laughs) i mean just joni is so many things but joni is also someone who i think she would prefer a nobel prize to uh being in the rock hall and as i remember she didn't respond super positively when she was inducted am i correct i I don't i don't believe she was there this was this happened right around the time that she reunited with her baby that she gave up for adoption 30 years prior. And it was kind of a media circus around this thing. She was reuniting with the daughter that she gave up. And I think it was in the middle of that. And she was just focused on that. Right. She was not to attend. Yes. Anytime Joni receives an honor, she, she welcomes the honor, but she also then you know, usually has a little shade to throw at it in a, in a charming just, way. Yeah. That's just her way. I in mean, she considers way. her peers, uh, really, she considers Picasso, you know, <laughs> this is like where she's at. She's really, I think us. this is great though. I think yeah. we do need to have more absolute self-confident women yes. who are just like, um, yeah, I'm a freaking artist. I'm a legend. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I totally such. agree. I completely agree with yeah. that. Anything less, I will not be responding. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and then also in 1997, we had a female early influence inductee, Mahalia Jackson. Yeah. Mahalia Jackson, the best, probably the 
best known gospel artist of the 20th century or of all time. Most people who are alive today remember Mahalia Jackson as this presence on television. She often appeared on television in its early years, kind of wearing her her gospel robes and uh, giving these very powerful um, but somewhat stayed performances. But the thing about Mahalia is that she was deeply, she's from New Orleans, so she was deeply influenced by Bessie Smith. Mm-hmm. She brought together uh, the blues and spiritual music in gospel and really invented that form in a lot of ways. So uh, none more deserving than the great yeah, Mahalia. Put her in, baby. Yes. <laughs> What's our update on the stats? What are we at? Have we hit 11% yet? So I, we're going to go down because that was two oh, out of 40. Oh, so Jesus was... Christ. <laughs> Literally, no. Okay. Oh, so that fine. was that was the 5% for that year. And that takes us to 31 out of 329, which takes us below 10% back down to 9.4%. I feel like we're we're right around uh, the amount of actual orange juice and sunny delight. I think that's yeah. where we're at. <laughs> yeah, it's all, and it's from concentrate. Um. <laughs> all right, 1998. We have six performer inductees, one non-performer, one early influence, 25 men, and we have four women. Mm. And that's because we have two groups with two women in both of them. The first one being Fleetwood Mac, where we get Christine McVie and Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks' first induction. Those are also, you know, they're not in the background. Those women are both up front with Fleetwood Mac, you know, write and sing some of their biggest hits, which is very cool. Yes, but I have to say this is the year of the companions, dare I say, using an outdated term, the girlfriends and wives. Mm -hmm. Uh, We now don't think of these women and the two women from the group you will soon mention as primarily that. (laughs) No, not yet, not yet. Not yet. The mamas and the papas? I'm like, break the ice is the mamas and the papas. papas. So so here's my cynical analysis. You know, you got to let these classic groups in and there are the women uh, who at that time, especially I think, we're not necessarily as honored as they are now as artists in their own right, you know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, all were companions or, well, not Mama C- Cass Elliot. Well, that history is complicated, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm expressing a little cynicism, I have to admit, well, about that you know, year. the storyline of the wives and girlfriends and people being known and remembered for their relationship to men and being seen as the vessel through which a man's genius i think in particular stevie nicks falls into this category a lot is like she just was like this vessel for lindsey buckingham's genius and all of this bullshit or whatever and but i do think yeah i think that we have turned a corner in many ways like i think she's such an icon now in particular and you know she's inducted on her own we just see her differently we see her as this witchy poet lyricist even more important though i think is the fact that you have this the emergence of these women artists who themselves talk about being influenced by stevie you know i mean someone like a saint vincent or whoever Mm -hmm. and then men start to say they were influenced by stevie True shock, but uh, <laughs> but it does happen. So the emergence of women at the center of current rock and roll um, allows us to see the history in a different way. That hasn't happened as much with the Mamas and Papas, and there's a lot of complicated stuff around the Mamas and Papas and John Phillips, who was a very troubled and troubling individual, a leader of that group. But I just want to talk 
for a second about Cass Elliot, such an amazing singer, such an important mm-hmm. person in the counterculture. She was the kind of like doyen of Laurel Canyon who brought everyone together. If you've ever seen that famous picture of Joni Mitchell where she's sitting on the grass and uh, David Crosby, I think, is sitting next to her and Eric Clapton is staring very intently at how Joni's playing guitar. That was at Cass Elliot's house. It's Cass Elliot's daughter, Owen, who's in the picture. All praise Cass. And I'm, you know, I'm glad she's in the hall. And Michelle Phillips, too. You know, both of them. Really important part of the Laurel Canyon scene. So that's four out of 29, 13.8% that year. It takes us to 35 out of 358, which is just below 10%, 9.8%. As we go into 1999, seven performer inductees, one non-performer, two early influence, 18 men and four women. Uh, we've got the induction of Dusty Springfield that year. Very sad, uh, po- very recently posthumous induction at that point. Although I think she was alive to hear that she was inducted. Mm-hmm. She died of breast cancer. Yeah, tragic. Dusty, wow. <laughs> you know, Dusty in Memphis, one of the uh, greatest Blue-Eyed Soul records. The greatest, maybe, Blue-Eyed Soul. I'm giving a lot of superlatives this, this episode, but let's just put her up there. Yeah, Greatest Blue-Eyed Soul album of all time. It's such a great uh, singer. Glad she got to know that she was inducted. Yeah. And then we've got the staple singers, three of which Mavis, Cleopa, and Yvonne are women. Mavis Staples, big inspiration for guess who? Bob Dylan. They mm-hmm. were very close and uh, good friends. And allegedly, uh, he asked her to marry him at one point. She said I was, no. <laughs> I was reading that today. You know, there's a lot of Dylan stories online with his 80th. So I, I saw that. And I was like, oh, that's very interesting. But but I think the staple singers are so important because of the style of gospel music that they made and their presence in the civil rights movement, their presence in the counterculture and their the fact that they were peers with these, you know, countercultural white male countercultural icons. So um, they shaped the sound of Bob Dylan. They shaped the sound of the 60s. And Mavis still is such a glowing presence on the music scene and, and so influential to Americana artists to this day. She is a national treasure. Absolutely. Just a, a powerhouse singer, one of the, one yes. of the greats. Yeah. And that's four women out of 22, which is 18%, brings us to 39 out of 380. We're back above 10% at this point. Congrats, everybody. (laughs) Uh, As we go into 2000, we have six performer inductees, one non-performer, two early influence. Still in a pre-9-11 world right here. (laughs) How does that bode for women? We have the introduction of the sideman category. So we have five sidemen. And that that category- Emphasis man. Yeah, the category is gendered. uh, And then we've got, so that's a total of 27 men and two women. And we've got Bonnie Raitt, Yay, Bonnie Raitt. Uh, you know, Bonnie Raitt, not only a great artist in her own right, but such a champion for African-American artists, uh, elders. You know, she was one of the founders of the Rhythm and Blues Foundation, which she co-founded partly to help out Ruth Brown, who we talked about before, who had been who had to clean houses, you know, to support mm-hmm. herself long after her rock heyday. So I think Bonnie is one of those rock and roll hall of fame inductees who is both, a, you know, a worthy artist, but also 
should we call them a team player? It's sort of like Dave Grohl, you know, the Dave <laughs> Grohl of that moment, like someone who plays an important role in the industry and is seen as um, just a good egg all around. Yeah. And at that point had inducted Ruth Brown. Right. Also, I believe, inducted John Lee Hooker. I think she inducted Ma Rainey as well. So yeah. similarly to Dave Grohl, a figure who <laughs> shows up to the ceremony a lot, yep. playing the game. Yeah, plays uh, ball, yep. But also an amazing guitarist, an amazing yeah, incredible. bottleneck slide guitarist. And then uh, the early influence induction of Billie Holiday was also in 2000. I mean, can we just say what? Like how in 2000, <laughs> 14 years later? Yeah, yeah took yeah. took too long. A wow. Curiously long time. I think this is a a prime illustration of the it's not rock and roll. That's that's uh, what I was line thinking, of genre thinking. bias. Yeah, total genre bias. I mean, Billie Holiday is of course the face and voice of jazz for many people, especially people who only have like two jazz records in their collection. They probably have a Billie Holiday record. They probably have the Billie Holiday's greatest hits on Columbia Records. It was, you know, such a staple of that catalog. Now, I think with the expanded idea of what the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame can include, it seems like a no-brainer, but at the time, she was just too jazz for them, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Nat King Cole was also inducted that same year in that category. Mm -hmm. It seemed like they were widening what the early influence could mean for the Rock Hall. Absolutely. Uh, so we had two women in 2000 out of 29. That's 6.9%. That takes us to 41 out of 409. We're still above 10%, but barely. And we go into 2001, where we have eight performer inductees, one non-performer, two more side men, 26 men, zero women. Oh, oh great. Oh. 2001, 9-11 really ruined it, was a disaster it for us. Year, uh, across the <laughs> Well, I have to ask you, were there any like punk new wave bands in that class? Um, no, we weren't okay. quite there yet. That would start the next year. So this... Okay, so I think that's got to be the reason, don't you think? I mean... I don't think there is a there is a good reason. On the ballot, though, we did have some women. We had Brenda Lee and Patti Smith who did not ah. get in this year. Well, uh, you know, I, I think there's an interesting analysis to be had of women in popular music in the late 70s pre-rock punk and new wave because those uh, are the years when women were absolutely dominating in categories that the rock hall traditionally absolutely despises like disco for example mm -hmm. or yeah. mainstream pop you mentioned abba this is the prime moment of women leading the way outside of traditional definitions of rock and roll so mm -hmm. that Absolutely. might be why and then and then the door opens with punk and new wave a right. tiny tiny bit a little bit so yeah after 2001 that takes us uh 41 out of 435 which is now below 10 percent at 9.4 percent and in 2002 we had six performer inductees one non-performer one side man Total of 18 men, but we do have two women. The punk door did open Yay. for Tina Weymouth of yes. Talking Heads to get in. Yeah, yeah. and great. this is the year that I officially become old because this is the year that a band that was like one of my bands as a teenager enters the Rock Hall. And, yeah. you know, I got to see Remain in Light, that Remain in Light tour that became the Jonathan Demme movie, Stop Making Sense, mm -hmm. in Seattle. And when I was a kid, and oh my God, just blew my mind. And Tina... So deserving. Mm -hmm. I'm glad we're singling her out here because her bass playing was just central to uh, defining the sound of new wave music. And also 
with the Tom Tom Club, made mm-hmm. one of the most sampled bass lines of all time. Yeah, very important. My favorite band. I'm happy. <laughs> 2002. We also got Brenda Lee. Brenda Lee. I had lunch with Brenda Lee a couple of years ago, pre-pandemic. Whoa. She lives here in Nashville. She is very just cool. a fabulous human being and uh, just as perky and charming as you would imagine. Uh, Brenda, again, like what the hell? It took that long for her. She was a, one of the first child stars, one of the first rock and roll stars. She was just a tiny teenager when she started. And um, I think, again, category confusion because later mm-hmm. she was associated with country music inexplicably since she's not a country artist. I mean, she <laughs> was an ro- original rock and roller but yeah she's still with us and i, I hope everybody uh sends out all love and praise to brenda there so she can feel it because she's the greatest but i do want to point out in the non-performer category which is something that is one of the biggest injustices. And we actually discovered this because I found an old VHS tape of this ceremony that I taped off of VH1 when I was in high school. And uh, we watched it and we watched them induct Jim Stewart of Stax Records. <laughs> and only Jim Stewart. That's the sad laughter, that's scornful laughter. Oh my and God. You, there were references to Jim's sister, Estelle Axton insane and it was clear (laughs) it was clear watching the package that she was part of it it's clear in the name stacks I was gonna say why is it called stacks records Estelle Axton Axton. yep it really it it feels like it is the stupidest it's infuriating and it was 20 years ago somebody fucking fix this just fix it just fix it fix it fix it it was wrong that it happened what do we have to do just somebody do this someone just bring it up and just do it do Mm -hmm. it this year she's not in she's still not in no that's so wild because like i did a little work with stacks uh, advisory work with them a couple years ago i've been to the sex museum many times and she's you know, it's not like they're hiding her in a corner or something. I mean, she's right up front uh, alongside Jim as part of the story. So I don't know the story of why that happened. And I want to know now. Bonus episode. Yeah, right. Well, we'll do our investigative reporting. This is your chance to do your version of In the Dark. The story might begin with misogyny and it also might end with patriarchy. I think those might be, that might be the full story. Just that's a two page book, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, really. So that was such a missed opportunity there. Ridiculous. But we had two women out of 20 in 2002, 10%, which takes us to 43 out of 455, 9.4%. And then 2003, we have five performer inductees, one non-performer, three side men, 24 men total, zero women. There are women. What 2004, the hell? we have seven performer inductees, one non-performer, 18 men, zero women. This is getting fucking outrageous. 2003, 2004 in a row. That takes us to 43 out of 497. We're now at 8.6% women. In 2005, we have five inductees in the performer category, two non-performer, 16 men, but we do have one woman, and it's a pretty big one. It's Chrissy Hind from The Pretenders. Chrissy Hind, my teenage role model. Such an important artist uh, creating a bridge between the sound of 50s, 60s, 
and you know both eras early 60s and late 60s rock and roll and punk new wave because her songs were completely up there rivaling any girl group song or you know Mm -hmm. also she famously was connected to ray davis of the kinks Mm -hmm. they have a child together but she was also rivaling him as a songwriter so she she is like that classic rocker who absolutely deserve to be in there. Deserves. Oh yeah, she famously kicks ass. She made me get bangs. Um, <laughs> just, I started yes. listening to the Pretenders, and it happened. I think that she, though, often gets paraded as a bit of like female exceptionalism, mm-hmm. where it's like yeah. if all women could just rock like Chrissy Hind and hate <laughs> feminism, then they mm-hmm. too uh, could kick ass. I, I don't think she likes to be viewed through the lens of feminism or feminist discourse. I just think that if there was more representation, then we wouldn't even have to look at Chrissy Hind and say like, oh, how did how do you feel as like a woman in rock, blah blah blah, because that's. There is something very annoying and frustrating about that. And it's frustrating that there were zero women inducted the two years prior. And so now we have this one and she's the one that we're going to talk about. You know what I mean? It's just I love her. It it is such a frustrating. I'm frustrated. Mm -hmm. This is not news. I mean, look, the story of being a woman feminist music writer is the story of being frustrated in many ways. You know, I'm so grateful for the opportunities that have allowed me to have this career and for my many male mentors, et cetera. But just in terms of that one specific thing, Kristen, I have experiences with so many of my favorite women artists, particularly of that era. I think the F word was just poison to a lot of women during that era. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I remember when Patti Smith came back after uh you know her years uh, in self-imposed exile raising her kids with fred sonic smith and she said some things in interviews that seemed i don't know anti-feminist but you know just like i was happy being a housewife and here i was like you know women's studies was my jam what the mm-hmm. hell people but that was just you know i understand why you're singling out chrissy because she's been vehement about it but it was pretty hard to find any woman from that era who would openly say i'm a feminist especially in those years like around that time mm-hmm. yeah i just think it was not something uh, women rockers felt they could do. It wasn't really allowed for them. For sure. So that was one out of 17. That was 5.9%. Takes us to 44 out of 514, which is 8.6%. As we go into 2006, five performer inductees, one non-performer, 27 men, one woman. And again, we have a female front woman of a band. We have Debbie Harry from Blondie. Debbie Harry, um, another teenage role model for me. Absolutely. Yeah. And and if there's any question about whether she is a rocker, I encourage people to listen to the early Blondie records. Like some of their most famous hits connect with hip hop, Rapture. They were the first rock band to incorporate rap into their sound or, you know, Heart of Glass, of course, is their disco anthem and one of the greatest disco songs. But those those early Blondie records, obviously parallel lines, but even the ones, the two before that are just trashy, wonderful uh, rock and roll, ripped dress rock and roll. That's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, she she kicked ass, undoubtedly. So that was one woman out of 28, 3.6% takes us to 45 out of 542, 8.3% total. 2007, 
which was the ceremony that Anne was present for. We have five <laughs> performer inductees, 15 men and four women. Those four women, uh, we'll start with the, with the first three, which were the Ronettes, Ronnie Spector, mm-hmm. Estelle Bennett, and Nedra Talley. Who inducted Ronnie? I'm curious. Uh, once again, I answer your question with Keith Richards. Ah, well, that makes a lot of sense. Ronnie Spector's such an influential, and all of the Ronettes so influential on the bands who were or are considered the biggest rock bands ever, the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. And I mean, personally influential. They knew them. They hung out with them. They toured with them. And everything about the sound, the style, the haircuts. Where did Keith Richards' haircut come from? Ronnie Spector. It's mm. just a modified bouffant. <laughs> when you think about it, that's what it is. You know, way too long. And it's all because, as you said before, Joe, of Phil Spector. Yeah. Horrible. It's really, really too bad, but I'm glad that they did get their due and that they were at the ceremony and, you know, that they, they got to experience it. Also, we've got that year, Patty Smith. Why did it take so long for Patty? Why did it take so many nominations? How many times was she nominated? Seven. 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 Okay, yeah. great. There aren't a lot of huge Patti Smith hits, right? Uh, yeah. And so sometimes you see that in the hall where it's like someone can be very influential. Someone can be super important to the progression of rock and roll, like say the MC5. Right, to, yeah. To, you know, pick <laughs> Patty's you know, husband. Yes, uh, yes. And that's a group that obviously important, but there's this like wall of they're just not that well-known most people can't name a song if they can name one that's it i think sometimes it's hard to get for a critical favorite who isn't a huge even though patty smith i think was able to break through because ultimately as a figure she was very well known Mm -hmm. and that was a period of time in the early 2000s when she was experiencing a renaissance you know she had come back full force after the death of her husband, Fred Smith, and Patti Smith group in various forms were playing out all the time. And I know that Michael Stipe, a huge devoted friend and fan to Patti, really lobbied for her. Mm-hmm. And others of the indie generation were saying, how can you not have her in there? So that was four out of 19, 21%, which takes us to 49 out of 561, 8.7%. 2008, we have five performer inductees, one non-performer, one sideman, 15 total, one woman, but it's a pretty big one, first-year eligible inductee, Madonna. Do you remember this as like a big crisis year for like what counts as rock and roll? Because I can't think of an artist who muddies the definition for a lot of classic hardliner types more than Madonna. Yeah, this year, the year before, and the year after, they had a very short ballot. Mm. which Mm. is a tactic that they only tried those three years, but it's a way to make the voters make hard decisions. Mm -hmm. And what's really unfortunate about this year is that the decisions they made were along racial lines. Mm -hmm. Uh, In this year, we had Madonna, John Mellencamp, Leonard Cohen, Dave Clark, Five and the Ventures. And then sitting outside, you had Sheik once again, you had Donna Summer, Africa Bambata, and then you had the Beastie Boys who are white, but in a traditionally black genre. Well, it's interesting to think about both Sheik and Donna Summer being on the other side of the door when Madonna gets in, because mm-hmm. of course, now Rogers helps make Madonna who she is by mm-hmm. producing 
her early music and then Donna Summer kind of set the template for what Madonna would would do. Donna Summer, you know, we know her as the Giorgio Moroder produced disco goddess, but her early 80s albums, go back and listen to them sometime because they are really um, so influential in terms of the sound that Madonna goes on to stake her career on this mix of dance music, pop elements and rock and some rock elements. I mean, I would not be shocked if I don't know if this is true, but I I bet Madonna was listening to those Donna Summer records of the post disco moment when she came up with her own sound. Mm -hmm. She was the 50th total woman to be inducted in the rock hall out of 577 inductees. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> I have a nerd question. Wait, I have a nerd yeah. question. So so when did Prince get in and when did Michael Jackson get in? Uh, Michael Jackson got in in 2001 solo. He had been okay. inducted with Jackson 5 prior to that. And then uh, Prince got in 2004. Okay, so how many years is that before Madonna getting in? Prince and Madonna both got in as soon as they were eligible. Right, okay, okay, yeah. She was nominated the first year she was eligible. I knew it was her first ballot, but she was nominated immediately. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, all okay. right. 2009, we have five performer inductees, one early influence three side men, 20 men, and one woman. And the woman is in the early influence category, which is maybe a little suspect. It's one of the early influence inductions that I think kind of, she wasn't exactly pre-rock era, but it's Wanda Jackson. Yeah, I know Wanda Jackson is right there at the center of, uh, like Brenda Lee, she's one of the founding Mm -hmm. uh, mothers, I guess, of rock and roll. I wonder if that was the moment for Wanda because she was having a little bit of a very late career resurgence at that time. I know she was, you know, outperforming, beloved by a lot of kind of like indie indie country, you know, alt country, mm-hmm. insurgent country artists and bands. So makes sense that that was the moment for Wanda. And I actually think her induction led to somewhat of a resurgence too. I know when we were we were talking to Rick Krim, he said he didn't know much about Wanda Jackson saw her Ooh. and he was working at VH1 at the time and then booked her on Divas. Oh, that makes ah. so much sense. That makes so much sense. Yeah, because she's influential, but she wasn't super mainstream. And that sometimes can be the function of a induction is it can restart some stuff, mm-hmm. which I think is very cool. Um, it shouldn't have to be like society is pressuring you. <laughs> to, <laughs> to pay attention to, to this person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which we've seen happen. Yes. Uh, so that was one out of 21, which is uh, 4.8%. 51 <laughs> women out of 598. So we're at about oh, 8.5%. 2010, we've got five performer inductees, six non-performer, 26 men, and four women. We have the aforementioned members of songwriting teams finally getting inducted. We have Cynthia Weil uh, getting inducted with Barry Mann, and we have Ellie Greenwich getting in with Jeff Barry. Yes, and um, that's overdue, long overdue. And I think as I love Carol King, and I'm glad she's in as a performer, but I think the fact that Carol had her epical moment with her own singer-songwriter album, Tapestry, obscured these other brill-building songwriters who were, during that era, equally important and wrote Yeah, it like raised her above them because she had a different kind of success. If you were just looking at their songwriting success, you know, these other people would also have been in at the same time. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the the story of the musical Beautiful is that they wanted to do... (laughs) And I can't believe I'm bringing it up I can't and you're not. It, Joe. But 
they initially they initially wanted that musical to be about the Brill Building and about oh, these wow. teams of songwriters. And when they would show it to people, like early on, people would go, "Where's Tapestry?" Oh man! And they'd be like, "Well, that's that's not that era." And everyone would just be like, "We want to hear Tapestry." <laughs> and so they had to reconfigure it to focus on Carol King because that's what the people wanted, and that's what everyone was asking. After even though they tried to make it specific to, it was like Carol. She was too big she's too big she is a star i mean she's a performer she's as someone who has seen beautiful the musical and, <laughs> and brings it up a fair mm-hmm. amount on the show hey, I, I can't believe i, I dare i to, can to not believe it was you because cynthia <laughs> yeah. Weil is one of the characters like her mm-hmm. and her other um uh, partner are two characters like the first act takes place basically at the brill building and right. like and then in her and jerry goff's marriage mm-hmm. and then right. the second act is like tapestry Um, well yeah it's also shows. i mean again carol is a superstar an icon a legend but also it shows a bias uh, in the rock hall toward performers who perform their own songs Mm -hmm. you know a huge bias and Mm -hmm. oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. uh, you know that's just if we were to have a more philosophical theoretical conversation about what is rock and roll the way that rock and roll got recast after the turn of the 60s and the 70s i would say this happens even after the era of the beatles and the rolling stones but of course the beatles and dylan are the start of it but it's that turn toward i am an individual expressing my own passions and angst and genius that redefines rock and dishonors so many early rock songwriters mm-hmm. yeah i mean in thinking about genre and but also thinking about artists that write their own music. ABBA was indeed inducted in 2010. So we have, uh, and I'm, I'll do this the best I can, Agneta Falkstag and Anna-Fred Lingstad yeah. uh, were inducted as part of ABBA, obviously. And I do think genre-wise, this is not something the Hall tends to go for, but I do think it comes from a respect of the songwriting the, that came from within the group. Mm-hmm. And the massive popularity, the undeniable. Yes. Mm-hmm. world influence i mean i i'm happy to talk for 30 seconds about abba on the um day after the eurovision or two days or whatever after the eurovision <laughs> right, right, right. happened yeah. because um but international european uh western pop music there is no one more influential than abba all right so t- 2010 we had four women out of 30 inductees that's 13 percent total of 55 women out of 628 which is 8.75 percent we're getting to a point where it's hard to change the total percentage because there's so many in there like you can only make minor adjustments for each Mm. year the following year 2011 we had five performer inductees two non-performer one in the musical excellence category and i think that was the first year of the musical excellence category Hmm. and that would be 11 men and one woman and the one Mm. woman is darlene love and she's in musical excellence she's not even though i think she would be a perfect She's very musically excellent. (laughs) And especially because that category is supposed to be for someone that is hard to define. Oh, hell. I mean, Darlene Love, because she is the voice of like every single that doesn't have her name of it. Right, exactly. In the early 60s, she was the sound of Gold Star Studios. She was the sound of the girl groups. She was the ultimate background singer. We all know this now because of 30 Feet from Stardom, the movie. 
um, the great movie about um, those black women's voices that were obscured. So what did they just put her in as like a regular old artist? She got voted in. They put her in on the ballot as a performer and she got in, which is great. I I just think that like that category was made for her. And yet who was it that got in? that? Leon Russell. Well, that's so funny because, you know, they, they were they both played together playing and... at Big Star or at Gold Star Studios during that mm-hmm. time. I bet they had a good laugh about that. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I think I said 30 feet from startup. Isn't it 20 feet? It's, I think it's five feet. Feet. Two, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I darling. I thought it was five 20. feet. It's, no, so, it's, 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 20, sure it's 20, feet 20 feet from stardom. But that's okay. It is 20 feet from stardom. I thought it, I literally was like, well, I thought it was five feet from stardom. I think it's funny that that I said 30 feet because sometimes it feels like they're farther from they're stardom than they should be. Yes. Kristen seems to think they're right up. Uh, right up. I think they're them. right there. I think they could touch it if they leaned really hard. They could definitely touch stardom. Definitely. Touch the ass of stardom. <laughs> Truly. Exactly. <laughs> Just brush up against it. That was one woman out of 12 that year, 8%. 56 out of 640 is the total in 2011. So we have 8.75%. Again, it's like impossible to move it at this point. 2012, we have six inductees in the performer category. We have two non-performers, one early influence. And this is also the year where they did a retcon of six backing bands. Oh, Jesus. It's going to be like 70 men and four women. Close. It's 68 men and two women because the number is going to be really high. I gave them too many on the women front, I guess. (laughs) So they neglected famously to induct the backing bands of Buddy Holly and Mm. Gene Vincent and James Brown and Bill Haley and uh, Smokey Robinson. And uh, so that was a lot of old guys who were inducted this year and only one woman. And that would be Claudette Rogers Robinson. Because she was part of, the miracles. miracles yeah exactly yeah. yeah i think she's sometimes referred to as the first lady of motown yes um so it's nice for her to get that distinction and then the other woman that year kind of an odd induction for the rock hall but a very cool one laura nero i am a huge laura nero stan and i understand why you say it's an odd induction because laura nero Joni, please don't come after me but you know arguably <laughs> maybe the first singer-songwriter of the singer-songwriter era, not necessarily, but was championed by David Geffen before David Geffen went on to champion the career of Joni Mitchell and so many other classic singer-songwriters, but also a bridge figure between kind of the Motown or Black R&B sound of the early mid-60s. She wrote songs that were covered by artists like The Fifth Dimension and the white-dominated, let's just say it, singer-songwriter era. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her own records are such a beautiful, unique mix of elements. You know, freeform poetry, countercultural rock, Motown sounds, R&B. She also made a fantastic record with LaBelle that's mm-hmm. Motown covers, one of my favorite um, albums of that time. Uh, so that was two out of 70 that year, which puts us back. Uh, so that was 2.9%, and that will take us to 58 out of 710, 8.2%. You keep saying, you know, we're at a point where we really can't change it or whatever. It's like, we really could. We could. could. We could just have some, uh, we could just induct a bunch of women all at once. We could do a retcon the way we did with the crickets, you know? (laughs) 
Let's, let's go to two, 2013, six performer inductees, two non-performer, 15 men. We've got three women. We've got the aforementioned Donna Summer was finally inducted after being on the ballot for five times. Sadly, did not live to see her induction, which is uh, awful. They had many opportunities yeah. to do that, and it did not work out. A real tragedy. And as I, I'll just reiterate what I said before. Donna Summer remembered uh, for her disco hits, but truly a, a pioneer of 80s black rock as well, and a great rock conceptualist as well as an amazing voice. Yeah, she's really important and an important induction for the hall. And we've also got Heart in 2013, so we've got Anne and Nancy Wilson. My homegirls, my Seattle homegirls. I mean, come on, like what... What, what was 70s rock without heart? What were women in rock without heart? I yeah. mean, I just, you know, Magic Man, Little Queen, mm -hmm. Crazy on You, that voice, the only rival to Robert Plant, as far as I am concerned, as far as a hard rock voice is Ann Wilson, Nancy Wilson, one of the greatest like rhythm guitarists of all time. It was, you know, again, mm -hmm. like took too long. Yeah, and I think it was specifically Hart performing at the Led Zeppelin Kennedy Center Honors that I think took them over the edge, got them the additional press that... How many momentum. times had they been nominated prior? They had been nominated. This was their second ballot, uh, right. but they had been eligible for, you know, at that point, over a decade. Uh, you know, if we had had a podcast at that time, that I would have been, been so, cause. that would have, I mean, you know, that would have been my Pat Benatar. I mean, it's like legitimately, that is outrageous that, you, that they wouldn't be on their first ballot. Like to me, Heart is such a first ballot rock band. They kick ass. Well, I have to say, like, I think there is another bias that only resolved around this time, uh, which is an anti-Pacific Northwest bias. I think they were so <laughs> associated with the Pacific Northwest yeah. and, and pre grunge era uh i think nobody thinks about the pacific northwest i mean mm -hmm. the sonics probably took a long time to get into as far as i know uh but go seattle yeah seattle and, and there's there's probably also the you know 80s yeah yeah yeah, yeah because yeah ballad the bias. 80s ballads i'm yeah. sure that kind of dinged them in the minds of many voters so yeah that's... but i know for a fact like eddie vetter and uh like you mentioned jerry Cantrell, i'm sure they were in inside that process hard pushing for them so that was three out of 18 that year which is about 17 percent uh which for the halls actually not that bad uh mm. and it takes us to 61 out of 728 8.37 percent 2014 we have six performer inductees two non-performer one musical excellence 22 men and we have two women We've got uh, Linda Ronstadt. Uh, Linda yeah. Ronstadt, I think this is another no-brainer. I'm sure, Kristen, you were shocked it took her that long <laughs> to get in. But I think uh, it took that long for two main reasons. One, she is primarily an interpreter, and the Rock Hall, as I said before, looks down mm -hmm. on people who don't write their own songs. And two, she was considered, you know, kind of the sweetheart of that sort of mid-70s Laurel Canyon LA mm -hmm. rock scene alongside the Eagles and J.D. Souther and people like that. And honestly, she was often trivialized and made into a sex symbol and not taken seriously. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm so happy that Linda's been completely reclaimed. And, you know, that documentary that came out about her really mm -hmm. had an impact. And again, you younger generation of artists saying she's a huge influence but sadly i think she was almost like a figure of not fun but just trivialized you know for a long time mm -hmm. yeah and she's incredible and has, has you know one of the great voices i also think she was publicly like i don't give a shit 
uh, about the hall, which very you know, private person. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't think that helped. And then the second woman that year was part of the musical excellence induction of the E Street Band, Patty Schialfa. Is that who yeah. you mean? <laughs> yeah. Yes, for Springsteen's uh, wife and prime collaborator. And I, I'm glad to see her in there, not just as a member of the E Street Band, but. I always think the Rock Wives need to be acknowledged, not just as companions and muses, but as artistic collaborators, because so often mm-hmm. they are. And I'm sure mm-hmm. that I know that's the case for Patty and Bruce. So, so that's two out of 24 for that year, 8.3%. 63 out of 752 is the total, which is 8.3%. In 2015, we had six performer inductees, one early influence, one musical excellence, 26 men, and one woman. And that would be... Joan Jett. So Joan Jett is the first rock star I ever interviewed in person. (gasps) I was in high school and I was writing for my local Seattle music magazine, The Rocket. And I got to go see her at the show box and it was on the first record. And uh, people after her first solo record, Bad Reputation, after she you know, left the runaways. And I just remember being at the show and people were spitting at her and she was like giving back as hard as they, she was getting. And then the next day I went uh, to her hotel room and she still had like all her makeup on from the night before she's sitting there in her leather jacket. And I was truly like, Oh my God, this is rock. This is rock. That is rock. (laughs) That is rock. (laughs) Well, incredible. Yeah. And she was inducted with the Blackhearts. I guess it could have gone either way, but. No, I uh, think that's right. I think it's right because she, you know, like Chrissy with the Pretenders. And I also once interviewed them together, which was an interesting experience. Mm -hmm. Joan was a lot nicer. (laughs) But like Chrissy with the Pretenders, she is a band, you know, she is like a band person, Mm -hmm. you know, and she's a rocker. That's for she sure. needs her band. So and so that was one out of twenty-seven for that year, which is three point seven percent. Takes us mm. to sixty-four out of seven seven nine, eight point two percent. Twenty sixteen, five performer inductees, one non-performer, twenty-six men, zero women. <laughs> for real? Wow. And that is the year when Steve Miller, <laughs> of all people, spoke up because uh, he was a he was a part of that, and he was like, "This this isn't good." Woke and- King Steve Miller, <laughs> you guys got to get. Have you done a show with him? He's like secretly really interesting. I want to hear a show with. I want you all to do a pod with him. If you don't want reach it. out to Steve, see if yeah. he's uh, see if it can happen. He's, he's, he's also you know it. he lives in the Pacific Northwest, so you know he's cool. There you go. <laughs> so- <laughs> So that brought us to 64 out of 805, which uh, knocks us down to uh, 7.9% women in the hall. 2017, we had six performer inductees, one musical excellence, 27 men, and one woman. And that one woman was Joan Baez. Well, I don't know what to say. That it took that long to induct Joan Baez. She could have been inducted in the first year. She could have been inducted in the first year. I mean, I do know what to say. It's the anti-folk prejudice. I mean, Mm -hmm. she's considered a folk artist, but not only is Joan Baez one of the main reasons Bob Dylan has a career and like mentored him in their early days together. She was popular enough to be on the cover of what Time Magazine. She was the biggest star Mm -hmm. of the early mid 60s. She's such a huge, hugely important person in the countercultural movement. Plus, how did it feel for all those years for her to sit there and watch every single one of her male friends get in? Like there's Mm -hmm. Jackson Brown. There's yeah, I'm like, if you 
Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Jackson Brown in, or James (laughs) Taylor, or just any male soft folk artist, like Uh, what? I mean, what? it's 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 just horrifying. But I think Joan. Well, I don't know. What are your insights, Joe? Because I could rave on, but I want to hear. I want to hear. Yeah, what you think. I mean, even Joan does not consider herself to be a rock and roll artist. And yeah. in her induction, though, she acknowledges that, but also that the influence of folk and her career on rock is a significant one. Yeah, and I, I'm glad she acknowledged that and said it because I can see why people would question it uh and i thought she did it very uh eloquently if all she did was write diamonds and rust i think she deserves a spot because that is like the best song about messed up relationship between two megastars that was ever written so <laughs> yeah and and good enough for judas priest to cover i know so there you go such a such a cool and unexpected thing uh (laughs) so that was one woman out of 28 inductees that year three and a half percent 65 out of 833 is our total which is 7.8 percent as we go to 2018 five performer inductees one early influence 23 men two women and those two women were nina simone and sister rosetta tharp the latter in the early influence category I think we should note that from now until the end of our conversation, we will just be registering shock and horror that every person whose name is mentioned wasn't in, you know, early. I mean, Nina Simone, come on. Although I will say this, it's been interesting to watch the, the renaissance of Nina Simone, the way that her reputation has grown and she has become more central or centrally acknowledged historical figure for I think I'm going to just say by white fans, listeners and critics, I think she's always been like Gladys Knight, like really central key in among black fans, critics and scholars. But, you know, I, I would say that the the reemergence of Nina Simone posthumously as this, this like absolute pioneer is probably why she got in that year. And that documentary, I think that that documentary yeah. was very popular and it, certainly it was important to me. It, it educated me uh, as far mm-hmm. as like her importance as an activist and her importance within like the social justice movement of the 60s. Like I really didn't realize that she was that outspokenly telling the system to fuck off and i think it's really amazing she's also a super important uh sampled voice in hip-hop you know Mm -hmm. and 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 touchstone artist for hip-hop and uh, so I think that that's another reason why. I mean, by this time, I assume people like Questlove are weighing in on this process mm-hmm. behind the scenes. So I would imagine. As Do well. you know yeah. when he joined the Nomcom, Joe? It would have been a few years before this, yeah. maybe around 2014 or something. But Rosetta, too, like, you know, that's another case of, of history being corrected by the active work of scholars and, and others, and specifically Gail Wald, yes. who is who wrote the biography of Rosetta Tharp shout sister shout, which later became a musical. <laughs> so Kristen, cool. I know you'll be going to catch that. Okay. <laughs> I would but, go see that. I would go and see that. That Yes. But that's a case where, and you know, uh, name dropping Gail is a good friend of mine, but um, she, I think her work specifically really helped a lot in 
getting people to realize how important Rosetta is. Yeah, a lot long, long overdue for both of them. That's two out of 25 for that year, 8%, 67 out of 858 total, 7.8%. As we go to 2019, a ceremony that Kristen and I attended, seven inductees in the performer category. We have 33 men and two women. So we've got Janet Jackson. Again, <laughs> like how... How, how not? How not before? How not before? <laughs> how not before? <laughs> I, I've been reduced. I've been reduced to babbling. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Janet Jackson, I think perhaps was overshadowed by the overwhelming aura her brother projected, both in great ways and negative ways. Mm -hmm. But all I know is that there is no artist defining 80s and 90s R&B, aside from maybe Whitney Houston, who's more emblematic than Janet Jackson. She rocks. She's so important. But again, this is like, now that she's in, we can do this like retconning of the people who've been overlooked. Shaka yeah. Khan is yeah. notably still not in. Yeah. I don't know what to do about it <laughs> other yeah. than right. yell into the void, which I do every week. Yeah, yeah. but the like, Janet induction is an important one for the hall and it, yeah. it helps to broaden out who can be inducted, which is always a good thing. I'm just going to say this out loud. Like, Janet needs to be in there before they can induct Beyonce. Yeah, that's right. And they yeah. have to induct Beyonce. Like, yeah. Yeah. Beyonce she... has got to be in on her first year or you're crazy. There is yeah. no, I, mean, I yeah. won't stand for it. <laughs> right. So you have to have Janet to like open the door for other people like Mary J. Blige too. You have mm -hmm. to, you have to have that acknowledgement of that R&B Contemporary R&B, not 50s style R&B, is foundational. And then we have we have Stevie Nicks, the first double inductee woman. Yeah, which we talked earlier about Stevie's coming to the fore about the the new understanding of Fleetwood Mac that emerges when women artists, younger women artists, start saying, "I exist because Stevie existed." We also have. Stevie just being a wonderful elder. I think that also matters maybe oh, for yeah. some of these artists. Mm -hmm. Like I got to interview her at South by Southwest several years ago. She just has got such a great way of talking about her own history. And, you know, she, she speaks truth to power, but she's not, you know, she doesn't come across as embittered and for the rock hall, I think like they don't want maybe to acknowledge people who feel bitter about them. I yes. don't know. What do you think about that? You know, I, I think the Irving Azoff connection is an important one. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, he's yeah. a power yeah. player within the hall. And so yeah. that's squarely in line with what he needs to accomplish. Yeah. Uh, but I think you're right. Like she will play the game. She has been to many inductions and taken part in it. She's a friend of the hall. Yeah. And so it is a reliable, for especially for a historic moment like that, you don't want to induct someone for the second time and they don't show up. Mm -hmm. I, 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 you want to be able to revel in, yeah. in that moment. And I think Stevie's probably the perfect person. There's also kind of a weird thing that we tracked, which was she was getting traction at these new kiosks at the museum. Oh, people, interesting. You know, people who were attending the museum could go up to the kiosk and type in who they thought should be in, who's not already in. And Stevie hmm. early got a lot of traction and we kind of thought people then saw the leaderboards and saw Stevie was up there and went, how is Stevie Nicks not in the hall? Mm -hmm. Kind of not realizing that Fleetwood Mac, of course, is in and she's in with them. And then it just kind of barreled from there. 
and I think may ha- may have led to an induction. Obviously, it has to get to the nominating committee, and then people within the room have to support it. But I think that might have kicked it off. And then, I mean, then it's the exact same uh, thing that happens on the ballot is that the people who are voting aren't thinking, oh, wow, she's already in with Fleetwood Mac. They're just like, Stevie Nicks, she's a she's Check. a star. Check. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, totally. And I mean, that and, and then combined finally with the resurgence of interest in 80s rock that was honestly scorned by my generation of, you know, indie, all grunge, scrunge, whatever you call it, rockers who didn't want to think about rock of the 80s with synthesizers mm-hmm. and that kind mm-hmm. of sound on it millennials and and younger xers i think have a easier time with that sound now i want to acknowledge that we have been talking in a binary we've been talking mm-hmm. about male inductees and female inductees mm-hmm. uh, and there is a lot of talk and articles uh, online about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's problem with female inductees. I feel like this is never really brought up. And I think it might be because they are a, a private person, but Pearl Thompson, the guitar player, founding member, has done three stints with The Cure. And I, again, I, I don't want to speculate, but you know, this is a person who was born Paul Thompson, now goes by Pearl. And I guess we just don't know, again, because of the privacy, if they subscribe to either binary or neither. But hmm. I think it's it's worth mentioning and acknowledging because, you know, that this potentially could be the first non-binary or trans inductee into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm glad you mention it and acknowledge it. I have to confess, I this is where I say I'm not like a super cure fan. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Your fans. <laughs> so I honestly didn't know about this until uh, you brought it up before we were talking today. Um, so I can't speak about Pearl's identity, but I do think if the hall wants to be part of the 21st century, they're going to have to stop thinking in binaries in many different ways. And this is definitely one of them because right now, um, LGBTQIA trans non-binary artists are changing music across genres and Mm -hmm. um, moving forward, that's going to be true. So it is. And yeah, it's going to make kind of discussions like this almost obsolete in a way someday. And I look forward to that. I think about that a lot of times with awards too, for any kind of performance. It's like male rock vocalist, female rock vocalist, best actor, best actress. Like what does your gender have? have to do with literally anything about Mm -hmm. that at all like there just is not a reason to necessarily split it down the line and I think that if you don't split it then it's almost like you can't hide behind oh we have a separate category you know so if there was just one category rock vocal performance or vocal performance or whatever you know then if it were all, you know, male identifying people or whatever, then you'd kind of be like, oh, really? We think that this is the best and the only, you know? And then especially with like Demi Lovato just coming out as non-binary like three days ago or whatever. I think Mm -hmm. that's going to be a lot of people's first exposure exposure to it, it, which is, I was literally talking to uh, an old employer of mine who is in their fifties and 
I, they had never heard of non-binary. They were wow. like, you know, what, what is that? They wow. didn't, they were not familiar with it. They knew what trans was, but they just were not familiar with kind of the idea that someone wouldn't be on either side of the binary. Music is a, is a path or is a space where um, identity, you know, is so central and voiced identity is so central, popular music. And so it is a great space for people like your colleague, Kristen, to, discover that gender is fluid you know i mean we certainly have uh an artist like sylvester whose voice you know Mm -hmm. however sylvester personally identified or what tools sylvester had at the time as you're saying to what pronouns they might use the voice of sylvester i'm not going to say transcends because that seems wrong but it is just a fluid instrument that and that you know one of the greatest artists of the 70s vocalists of the 70s in my opinion or you know currently anony that voice is one that i believe should be in the hall of fame eventually again a voice that's redefining what musical expression can be so i hope the hall embraces this because it is totally where music exists mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I know I wanted to acknowledge the, the binary and that what I am doing is is with uh-huh. is so binary <laughs> and it's almost robotic. But out of respect for Pearl, I am not going to include them in either. So I'm just going to say that, you know, two women out of 36 in 2019, which is about 5.5%, which takes us to 69 out of 894, which is 7.7%. And then in 2020, we're getting to the years that we're more familiar with. Six performer inductees, two non-performer, 28 men, one woman, and the woman is Whitney Houston, mm-hmm. uh, who I think we talk about Janet opening the door. I right. think once that door was open, then Whitney was you know, an obvious and a must induct. Absolute must, but also an artist who at her apex was considered by a lot of uh, people who embrace a narrower def- definition of rock and rock and roll as the kind of the enemy of rock, you know, mm-hmm. a ballad singer, a pop star, a supposedly manufactured star, the trilby to Clive Davis's Svengali. And um, that was how many people perceived Whitney, many white people perceived Whitney, even as she was the technically greatest pure voice of her moment. Mm-hmm. And also a, a singer who I think now we can hear was absolutely maintaining the, the legacy set by her own family, you know, by by, mm-hmm. by her own mother and her own godmother, Aretha Franklin. And yeah, so that's one of those no-brainers that when you look back, you understand why, but it's just unacceptable. Yeah, if Aretha is the first woman in the hall, Whitney Houston belongs in the hall. Oh, 100%, 110%. And also this is the year that they famously did not put Pat Benatar in. Right, on the ballot. <laughs> they they, had, an op- they had an opportunity and yeah, they fucking so blew it. There was only one woman that that year out of 29 which is 3.4 percent it takes us to 70 total of 923 which is 7.58 percent and that takes us to the current year 2021 six performer inductees one non-performer three early influence three musical excellence 18 men and seven women which we have we've seen seven women before but the percentage is the highest that it's ever been you know obviously we talked about tina turner talked about carol king and then finally we get a rock band of women with the go-go's and i want to say their names belinda carlisle jane weedlin charlotte caffey kathy valentine and gina shock uh well i told you all that joan jett was the first rock star i interviewed in person and 
Jane Wheedland was the first one I ever interviewed on the phone. And so, again, this is just makes me happy. You know, I know as a young woman myself, seeing an all-woman rock band was really important for me. I mean, the Runaways existed before the Go-Go's existed, but the Go-Go's were self-authored in a different way than the Runaways were. And that's no shade on the Runaways because in Mm -hmm. performance, I think they deserve to be in. I honestly really do, you know, and I think maybe the messed up relationship with their manager slash abuser, Kim Fowley, Mm -hmm. uh, might be one reason that they're not in. I'm not sure about the Runaways, but the Go-Go's, yeah. They made so much seem possible for young mm-hmm. girls like me when they came forth. Yeah, and they had the they had the hits and they had the presence and they were so huge. And I think that's what makes them such an obvious and great pick is that yes. they they kicked ass. But also, if you want the hit records to back it up, they've got mm-hmm. them. Yeah, and it, it's it's great to see finally that they get in and that a rock band of women and like it doesn't even matter if they wrote their own stuff but i know the rock hall loves it and so and that is that is cool in its own way and so that brings us out that was seven out of 25 didn't have to be it could have been didn't more have than to be this way could have put in estelle axton could have put in carol k could have yeah. just really <laughs> could have re, remade the mistakes of the past just shoved them on in yeah. no problem but that for our final tally that takes us up to 77 women out of 948 total which brings us back up above 8%. Wow. Above uh, 8%. 8.1%. I'm shutting my computer. Yeah. I hate it here. And so uh, that, that is, is abysmal. The full history of wow. women in the rock hall. And, you know, we when we talk about it, there's never any context. So there's some exhaustive context. Exhaustive con- that's a lot of context. <laughs> I, I hope we get a f- like five minutes to talk about all the women who aren't in who should be in. I mean, we could do this very quickly. Okay. Um, the- I'm like, maybe we should do that on another episode. I'd love I'm to do a women that should be in episode. Yeah, that's not that's not a bad idea. I feel idea. like it's not it's going to get short shrift in this yeah, episode. And I don't mean to do that. So maybe you can consider this a tease. <laughs> uh, but the women who have been on the ballot who have not been inducted this year, we saw Deanne Warwick, Kate Bush, Mary J. Blige, Shaka Khan, and Previous years, we've seen Shaka Khan with Rufus. We've seen Pat Benatar. We've seen Annie Lennox as part of Eurythmics. Marvelettes, Chantels. We haven't seen Esther Phillips and Mary Wells since the first two years of, of the Rock Hall, but they are definitely worthy. And I hope if they're expanding these uh, categories that they can mm-hmm. include some of those foundational women. And then I'm going to do, I'm going to run through, and this is, of course, an incomplete list of just, like I just jotted some names down. They're names we talked about before. Big Mama Thornton, Memphis Minnie, Connie Francis, Shangri-Las, Leslie Gore, Cher, Roberta Flack, LaBelle, Carly Simon, Carpenters, Diana Ross, Cindy Wilson and Kate Pearson of the B-52s, Sade, Cindy Lauper, Salt and Peppa, Mariah Carey, PJ Harvey, Slater Kinney, Bjork, Liz Farrell, Lannis Morissette, TLC, Cheryl Crow, and Aaliyah, not to mention the groups that have very important women members like Fuji's, Sonic Youth, Pixies, New Order, Smashing Pumpkins, and not to mention the non-performers or the people in the other categories like Florence Greenberg, who right. founded Scepter Records and was one of the sole female record label owners at a time when that just didn't happen. And Sylvia Robinson, yep. who is so important to hip hop and Sugar Hill Records yep. and Estelle Axton, Carol Kay, as we've talked about. And you know what? Ashford and Simpson are not in and they're such an important songwriting duo. And Valerie Simpson of that group, she's, you know, she's still alive and that would be a no-brainer. Put them all in. Joe just made a list. If you're listening, Hall, put all out. of those women in and let's get this abysmal percentage at least on the in the correct direction. Yeah. I've had enough. 
<laughs> I will yeah. not be making any more offers. These are my terms. <laughs> well, I couldn't agree more, obviously. And and I'm pushing for Shaka. Like, come on, Shaka, get oh, that woman on, in. Shaka. There is no voice like that from the 70s. I mean, she, and also, you know, like she's Joni's BFF. So you might get Joni to induct her. That could happen. Is that enough catnip for you, Rock Hall people? Yes, come Joni on. Mitchell you love her. Let's go. Shaka Khan, let's get that to happen, you know? And I, you know, for me personally, I need Kate Bush in there. I just need her in there. No artist really like formed my striving young collegiate writer identity more than Kate Bush. So I know she's sort of a, you know, an English icon more than an American one, but, uh, but come yeah. on. And I know she won't go to the ceremony cause she doesn't fly, but we have zoom. We have Skype. You can uh, Skype her in or now. zoom her in. Ellen yeah. John will show up for her. Come on. And yeah. Mariah Carey. Come on. Okay. We're going to stop. Mariah we got to do this another time. There's, I mean, there's let's, so you know. much to, to cover for that, but Anne, I want to thank you for joining us for, for this episode where we, we really got into it. You're the perfect person for this. How about that episode? A good one. One that I'm like, I don't know. I, I never really, listen to our episodes but uh and you know i never do uh but i asked never, you to never even once and then uh i re-listened to that uh episode uh to do this outro with you and you know i've talked about this before that sometimes i feel like i've been banging the drum for so long my arm is really tired and i'm sick of it it's like i can't even get fired up about how pissed I am. And then I listen to that episode and I'm just like, oh, for crying out loud, you know? Yep. Uh, and I'm glad that, you know, the conversation is continuing and that other people are carrying the torch, so to speak, the, the torch of my anger, so to speak. And people who, you know, have a platform and publicly are, you know, being acknowledged and heard talking about this, that it's breaking through into non-niche conversation that, you know, there is an article in The Guardian that um, that Courtney you know, Love wrote that Courtney Love wrote that like a high profile person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that like people will will listen to if, if they write something, if they're making noise about it. Yeah. So I think it's good. And I'm always hesitant to um, hope when it comes to the hall uh, and just most things, you know, some every time I think that we're making progress or that things are getting a little bit better, the subsequent backlash or kind of half-stepping uh, disappoints me in a new way. So it's possible. I remember in 2020 when I was like, maybe they'll do an all-Black ballot. Maybe they'll do an all-Black female ballot. Like maybe there's ways to correct this. They have the tools necessary and they will not use them. And so do I think that things will be different? No. But I'm glad people are are outraged rightfully. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the, <laughs> and that's the thing. about what you're going to get from me in 2023. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and it, it is the outrage that can lead to some degree of change. It's just mm -hmm. like, as we know, having covered this niche subject for so long, it's like the most important thing that nobody pays attention to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jessica Hopper made this point, which was just like when people tried to dismiss it online, like it's all just boomers jacking off or whatever yes but the rock hall changes careers like it can boost your visibility and ticket sales it can boost the kind of venues mm -hmm. you can play it can yes. boost your streams it can like it really does have an impact especially on the artists that need it and often 
artists who are neglected by the industry are women. Mm -hmm. And, And there's all sorts of artists who can benefit from an induction and do. But, you know, with a misogynistic industry like the music biz, that is very willing to cast women aside, an induction into the Rock Hall can make a tangible difference in quality of their life, the legacy, mm-hmm. uh, all, all sorts of things. Well, so. and it's like you always say, it's it's in the first line of their obituary. It is a it is an honor and it means something regardless of whether or not it means something, whether we yeah. want it to mean something or whether all institutions are made up, there are tangible consequences to induction or exclusion. And I'm glad that people are talking about those. I think it's really good. I also just want to just give one more listening to this, re-listening to this episode was really fun in a way because Anne is so cool and she is such an incredibly knowledgeable and interesting source of information. And I just really enjoyed that conversation. It was very great to just listen to her again. So anytime we can spend two hours and we did spend two hours on this brutal topic, Mm -hmm. anytime we can spend that long on the topic, I think, you know, with someone who is so uh, has so much to say of value, it's worthwhile. So I'm glad that that this is coming back out. And you know what? Give Anna ballot. (laughs) That's oh, my God. (laughs) Are you kidding me okay i i know that in the episode i'm like all right hall you have one mission oh my god are you stupid give ann a ballot and give her a ballot are you she's not like an obscure figure she's like literally she's prime she's prime ballot having material that's like insane I know that I joke about us getting ballots, you mm-hmm. in particular, but it's almost like now I'm at this. She's <laughs> snubbed on the um, ballot. As, or as She's my I number know, one she snub. Didn't, she didn't get uh, well, one this if year. If she doesn't have a ballot right now, that she's my number one snub. Yeah. <laughs> for uh, not of of the um, voters. Yeah. One other thing I did want to I wanted to touch on briefly, which was that this thing all started because Jessica Hopper was responding to. You know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame celebrates women who rock, oh, which yeah. was a thing that like the museum is doing. And I feel a little bit bad because these issues do not stem from the museum. They stem mm-hmm. from the foundation, which, again, getting very into the weeds about like all of the money. I, yeah, right. I can, <laughs> I can feel people zoning out. But yeah, the foundation is the one that inducts people and the museum is curatorial. They, you know, they just run a museum that is has a connection, obviously, to mm-hmm. the inductions, but are not run by the same people. The museum folk are great. Yeah, uh, they tend to be like some of our favorite types of people. You know, you're never you can't be mad at a librarian. At the end of the day, it's not their fault. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And they, and I do think they do a, they do a pretty good job of keeping the history from being like whitewashed and from being male centric. And also the kind of root of one of the problems with the rock hall is that it is on some level honoring the record industry. Oh, oh yeah. On some level. LOL. I mean, you know, cause occasionally you do get like, you know, inducting Charlie Patton has nothing really to do with the record industry, but you know, so much of this is tied to a business that has like a deep sexist rot at its core. Mm-hmm. 
And so it, it, it's almost like the mission is tainted. But I do think that the the museum in particular does a good job of avoiding those traps and highlighting history that isn't the kind of white male version. Yeah. The inductees and the foundation, that's very tied to the industry because as was pointed out so many, and as Courtney Love was very upset, deservedly so, is like the board is all, it's literally all industry people. It's all CEOs of, of different labels, so, like, of course, it's it, there's that connection to it. We like it because it's about the music, but the, but there's this kind of inextricable link that uh, yes. causes a lot of these problems. Um, so just a, a few notes kind of on the numbers. I don't think in the episode that you just heard, I ever say when the, the peak was, but I believe it does happen in 1999 where we hit 10.3%. That's the peak. Wow. That's 39 women out of 380. And then it, it falls from there. You know, when we left off last year, after the 2021 uh, inductees were announced, it was at 8.1%. We went up with 2022 because we did have seven performer inductees, three non-performer, two early influence, two musical excellence, 22 men and six women. The six women being Dolly Parton, Carly Simon, Eurythmics, Pat Benatar, Elizabeth Cotton, and Sylvia Robinson. And so that would be 21.4% for the year, uh, bringing us to 83 women out of 976, which is 8.5%. Yeah. And you know, we're, we're looking at potentially a year coming up that could be another good year. I mean, when you think about Cheryl Crow and Missy Elliott and Cindy Lauper and Kate Bush and Meg White. Like these are these are all women who I think stand a, a decent chance of getting in. You know, you look at the men who might get in, it's not a lot of bands. You know, that's mm-hmm. also what tends to really skew and to, these yeah. numbers is mm-hmm. that you have a lot of bands with like eight fucking dudes in them and you're not ever getting that with women. So like, even if it looks like parity, you look at like, oh, but also last year, Duran Duran was a bunch of dudes. Yep. And so it throws it off a little bit, but we're all, we're not really like when, when the white stripes get in, that is gender parity. When uh, Willie Nelson or George Michael get in, they're just one person a piece. We might get Joy Division New Order, which is four guys uh-huh. but, a, but a woman but you know? a woman but there is one in there i you so know I, we're, we're potentially looking at, at at a decent year of course the hall also likes to throw in 10 guys yeah in they'll throw in 10 guys but... in the sad category and also just it would really take something massive to tip the percentage scales yeah because again we're looking at 83 out of 976 yeah uh, uh, even if we did no, Let, Joe, uh, don't I, do it. Should I crunch uh, some numbers quickly? I don't care. If we did a class of 100 women, just 100 women, no guys, it would bring us up to 17% total. Kill me. Absolutely. Which just would, you know, it's it's doubling. 100 women. Yeah, and no other Where guys. would they find them? Um, uh <laughs> But oh my god! So you oh my you, god. Yeah, you can see kind of how how the problem is uh, tough to fix. And even Oof. though like it does feel like the hall is trying to like inch its way, that's all you can do without doing a massive one hundred woman class. Maybe they should do a purge. Kick some out. Kick some out. I don't know. 
But, you know, I, I hope people enjoyed that episode. Again, we, as we said, Anne's such a great guest. And it, uh, I think it gives some context as to how we got here. Because if people were seeing all this stuff online and thinking, how on earth do we wind up here? Mm-hmm. Broke it down year by year. And, you know, the, the points that have been raised by many, including Courtney and, and Jessica and many people online, there's still a lot of work to do. Let's do a hundred woman class next year, a 200 woman class the year after that. Maybe we'll get to 20% someday. Good luck. But we hope, uh, we, hope, yeah, we hope you enjoyed that episode. We will be back to uh, artist focused episodes next week. And before you know it, we're going to be uh, going to be talking to voters and then we're going to be uh, talking about who's inducted. And then we will take a nice summer break. But uh, until then, uh, you know, you can follow us at Rock Hall Pod on Twitter and Instagram. RockHallPod at gmail.com is the email if you want Kristen to see that. You're going to need to designate that somewhere in your message. Otherwise, I'm not going to forward it. She doesn't want to read it. Uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us. Five stars only would be nice to get a big, juicy five-star review. Helps us to be visible. Helps us to continue. Thank you to Mike Lloyd for the low use of Kim for the music. And uh, thank you to, hey, thank you to Future Rock Legends who not only helped us calculate all those numbers, but helped basically anyone who has uh, comment on, commented on this with any type of number they got it from Future Rock Legends. There is no other source for yep. this info. So uh, eternal thanks to to FRL. And uh, thank you to Pantheon Podcast for hosting us. I'm Joe Quazala. I'm Kristen Suttard. And who cares? About the Rock Hall. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.